welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. Thank you for being here. As always, thank you for joining us, listening to us, and supporting us. And if you are new here, welcome. Thank you for being here. If you want more on Immigrants Live content, you can follow us on all the social media at an Immigrants Live. That's our handle. And you can also send an email to us at animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. You can contact us if you or someone you know wants to come on the podcast and share their story. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to hear your story. Business is done. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. Accept both compliments and criticism. It takes both sun and rain for a flower to grow. When I read this powerful quote, it immediately brought to mind the incredible journey of this week's guest. A super creative filmmaker who refused to let challenges hinder his passion for filmmaking. Get ready for a conversation that explores the art of overcoming obstacles and turning adversity into opportunities. From making short films with his childhood friends to creating music videos and films with music superstars and Hollywood legends. This episode is one for the books and I'm so happy that you'll be able to listen to this person's story. So let's not fool around. Let's get to the point. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is an award-winning filmmaker that is half Clark Kent, half J.J. Abrams. Everyone, please welcome Patricio Ginelsa. Nice to be here, Aaron, yes. <laughs> oh, man, it is an absolute pleasure. And I, I cannot believe you're coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Oh, no, oh, no. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you invited me. I, I, I've researched and read uh, a lot of your podcasts. Congratulations! I see the accolades that your podcast got, and it's, it's a big achievement. So you know, I, 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 uh, I appreciate you for for doing this as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. To be honest, I think they just ran out of people to give the award. <laughs> then you're like, you know, checklist, this guy. Check, checklist. <laughs> you know, like, oh. <laughs> this guy looks okay. Let's just give him one. <laughs> hey, take it for what it's worth, man. You know, hey, I mean, no, no, for sure. Yeah. I'm, 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 to be honest, how that it went down, I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast. It was, I hook up with my uh, this uh, guest who became a, later a friend who invited mm-hmm. me to his radio station. And then one day I was just chilling on the couch and he's like, yo, what's your address? And I'm like, I'm not giving you my address, you know. I'm very like, you know, defensive with that. But I gave him my address. I'm like, what do you want, man? Don't send me anything, cause some there's some guests that send me stuff, you know. And he's like, nothing. And then he sent like five minutes later, he sent me like, uh, he he sent me like, uh, pro- what do you call this? Like he a promotional or, or, or some kind of uh, link or something to a yeah, panel? just like a picture of it, like oh, I nominated you. That's it, nominated him. Like oh. yo, bro, what are you doing that for, man? I just want to live alone, be be alone, and live my life. That's it. I don't. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, the people call me like, yo, you're you're you won the award. Like why? <laughs> Well, to your credit, the podcast is very professional. It's very well done, and uh, you know, it's. 
I've only, you know, uh, just got a, a piece of just, just, just looking at it. I'm, I'm already, you already got a fan in me already, you know. Oh, so my God, um, man. I'm not Thank a regular so podcaster. My my wife is, hmm. uh, but she added you. You know, she's she's gonna be, you know. So I, you know, I take it for what it's worth. You know, people are are slowly um, discovering you, and uh, you know, I don't think they'll just throw it away. There's a reason why they did that, right? So yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. By the way, before we get to more whatever else why don't you tell the immigrant nation where they can reach you or if you want to promote anything yes so um right now it's lumpia with a vengeance that's the feature film that worked 10 years hard and now uh all over north america united states and canada it's available on streaming everywhere uh, on, on on demand you can rent or buy it uh great movie to watch fun film to watch with the family lumpia with a vengeance and uh on the social media it's at lumpia movie so you can just go to or lumpiamovie.com uh, just head over there, and uh, you know, you, you have, there's a link to to hopefully uh, watch the film. Uh, spoiler alert uh, or, or disclaimer: Make sure you, if you do watch the movie that you're eating because it'll make you so hungry <laughs> when you watch the film. I know. Uh, when I was watching, I was like, "Yo, you know, with this lumpia, man, I, I just ate, dude." It doesn't matter if you have just have have something, even if it's a burger, just have something because it's gonna. You're you're gonna be you're gonna get this appetite is gonna get crazy. So yeah, I love that. You know what my favorite part is? Not the, the movie's awesome. I, I get it. We, we're gonna talk oh, more you. about it later, but that like I'll, like documentary that was on YouTube about you creating it with this with your friends at the beginning. Yes, you started a making videos. I yeah. mean, yo, dude, I, I'm a nerd with movies, man. I watch movies <laughs> and then I watch. I want to learn more about the movies. What made you get into filmmaking at that such young age? Um, you know it. I, I got my dad's camcorder and I just started playing around with it. I uh, I just picked it up and um, I grew up in a neighborhood in Daly City, California. That you know, I, luckily I, there are a lot of kids there, uh, uh, probably a few years younger than me, and I just started you know making these short films. It started out with a a, a simple short film about a bully. I just said to my one neighbor, "Hey, pick on the other neighbor and just beat them up, play fight with them." That was my first short. It was the, and so when I shot that the obvious next story was shared okay well the other neighbor will become a hero that saves them so the next short was about that hero that would protect that person from the bully that was number two number three would be okay now another hero was a karate kid and so there was another hero that came out the third one was a a superhero it's like a superman super dennis so the guy's name is dennis my neighbor and i go you're super dennis now and then another neighbor came and now you're the green magician that disappears so i was playing with camera tricks in camera recording the next thing you know these shorts i end up making a feature film that summer called kid heroes and so i combined almost my own little avengers right and that became the first, like my first homemade film, right? Like, and I was only, you know, 13 at the time, you know? And so that's really how it started. My company's named after Kid Heroes. So it's kind of like, it started out really with a, a bunch of kids, the Filipino kids in this Daily City neighborhood uh, that just shot movies together. Nice, man. Were they like camera shy when you started like shooting them or were you were, they were just like, let's just fall around? Yeah, we're just fooling around. I, I don't think anyone. Knew. I mean, this is really just for our consumption. You know, we were just shooting, and, and for me, we were just having fun. That's how we we kind of just kill time, right? And but um, we did. What happened was that we would put these shorts or movies on a VHS tape, and during the school year, we would pass it along. So a lot of our friends in high school 
uh, would watch this film. I mean, and in in in, in, in the requirement was in, when you watch this tape, you had to sign my slam book. I don't know if you know what a slam book. But it was yeah, like a yeah. binder with things, and it would have best scene, favorite scene, worst scene. They had to in order for you to watch this VHS tape, you had to tell me what you thought of it. So it was like the early version of like YouTube comments, right? I needed to know. And the next thing you know, the next summer, all these folks wanted to, you know, join the next movie. And so that's that's how we made Kitaru. So that, that became this this routine where now more folks in the neighborhood or my high school friends would want to join the film. Um, and, you know, it, and it, it just so then by the time I was already graduating from high school, I already had a whole trilogy of movies, three summer films feature length called wow. Kid Heroes. That's how that's, crazy it was. It was that's like, amazing. Yeah. You mentioned high school, Jefferson High School in Daly City. <laughs> what does that place mean to you? Um, that's I mean, I mean that's my high school, right? The Daly City. It's um, you know, it's funny because you know, when you grow up watching uh, Hollywood films, you know the 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 high school that they portray in those films, like Revenge of the Nerds or like Fast Times and everything. Uh, we're vision just college started, you know, but those high school films were always the, 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 the piece of American life was so much different than the high school. It, hmm. it, Jefferson high school, uh, you know, daily city is mostly full people of color, mostly Filipinos. So my high school life was very unique. I didn't know it at the time, you know, but you know, even, uh, my class, uh, my high school, even during my class, the whole student body government, everyone was Filipino American, the, the president, wow. the, uh, it it almost felt like if you were Caucasian, you were the minority in in Jefferson High School, um, and and the dynamic that I kind of like wrote wrote about in my movie, the dynamic was there's the jock, there's the cheaters. Yeah, we had that, but the athlete wasn't the the jock wasn't the most popular person in my high school. Mm. It was the DJ. It was the Filipino mm. DJ. They wow. were the ones who had power. They were the ones who get you to the school dance. Um, you know, Daily City is known. For the mobile DJ, the the turntablist, the the advent where DJ Kubert. So, I blame DJ Kubert because he was like you know a few years older than me for creating that uh, that 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 thing. We were Filipino. You had to be a DJ. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't my identity, you know. So me picking up the camera and being a, a filmmaker because uh, it was so rare at the time, that was my way of kind of revolting against the, the Filipino DJ stereotype that was so prevalent at Jefferson High School. Okay. Uh, but, so that was me discovering my creative roots, creating my, I, I was a very shy person. I was very timid, but Jefferson High School is where I found my creative voice in a way and, and probably found my calling because to this day, everyone's, I did the yearbook video on my own. Like our high school didn't have a yearbook video class. I literally did that on my own with my camcorder. You know? What a nerd. I love it. Yeah. Growing up with Filipinos, how would you describe the impact it had? Um, I I guess it, it, this is a I I didn't realize how uh the impact it had until I actually went to USC. Hmm. because it was then when I moved to Los Angeles that my real culture shock happened, you know? So it, I, I would imagine like, it's like, you know, I grew up in a city of primarily Filipinos or maybe my group of friends were all Filipino or people of color. Um, and it's not till I got to USC where I realized, Oh, so this is what the movies show. This is, this is where the Greek fraternities and stories, this <laughs> is like, that was like, that was my culture shock. And it's so funny because when I, when I was in college, I needed that, 
Filipinoness around me. So I joined the Filipino club, Troy Philippines at USC, in order to feel that barcada feeling. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like I needed that. I needed to be around Filipinos. It was so weird to. to I, I never had to do that in Daly City. Never had to join the Filipino club in my high school because. Why? What's the use? <laughs> like the whole <laughs> a Jollibee just opened. The first Jollibee in the United States opened right across the street from oh, my high school. That was the very first American one. The first American location really? was across the street from my Jefferson High School. Wow. Granted, it opened the year after I graduated, but that's Daly City. You know, mm. they chose Daly City. <laughs> that's yeah, that's place. amazing, man. We don't even have. Jollibee yet, man. We're, we're it's fighting. gonna come. They're arriving. <laughs> Dude, they have like three in Toronto. We have like zero here. We're dying over here, man. We need some Jollibee. You know, you there's some three. Dude, can't they just share one? I like, know. That's I'm what I'm one. saying, man. Stop being so. Why do they have three? Uh, it, it I tells don't know, you, dude. But <laughs> you know how Filipinos—they're hustlers, right? There's some Filipinos mm-hmm. that will drive to Toronto to just to go to Jollibee and then take <laughs> orders. Take orders from people like, hey, you want chicken joy, you wow. want this, you want... And then wow. they'll drive back and make money off of that. I should have done that when Jollibee's <laughs> opened up in Daly City. Why wasn't I thinking about that? You know why? Because the the, the lines were around. Like, you couldn't even get it. Oh, <laughs> the lines insane. were crazy. I think they I opened up one in, I think, in Edmonton. And it was in winter, like minus 40. Dude, oh, the I'm lineup sure was the still. Oh. They don't care, people, bro. People will freeze for their spaghetti joy or the chicken joy. <laughs> hey, man, you got to give that, food. man. Of course, man. That's so funny. Growing up with Filipinos, do you think there was some setbacks with growing up and focusing on Filipinos only? Or do you think um, it was just all positive? I don't know what you would call label setbacks, right? I, I think... Um, I think that was kind of the theme in, in Olympia a lot where you have this dynamic uh, between, you know, Filipino-American born, American-born Filipinos and the whole Filipino-born Filipino. I, I kind of talk about, I, you know, in the movie, we I vent this thing called Bob bashing. We, it never, these physical altercations never happened per se, but it was a state of mind. I, I kind of, mm. ex, I experienced that firsthand. Um, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but like in, um, when I used to work at Burger King in Coma, it was the first time uh where i was working primarily filipino in the kitchen and my first job really um but it was the first time where a lot of my coworkers who were filipino born they would like to talk behind my back they would talk in tagalog you know mm. like they so and i for the first time i felt very like oh my god it's not like they're mexican or whatever these are filipinos who are talking smack about me <laughs> uh, behind my back because i can't understand it i mean never mind that i'm Basayan, you know i wouldn't even understand regardless but but still it, it i felt it, it it was one of those things that kind of um opened my mind a little bit right it it, it felt i, I said I, I, it's weird remembering that feeling um, I can't describe it. it. It felt very like, okay, there's a, uh, there's something here I never felt before that, that I've grown up here all my life. And for now, for the first time, I'm seeing this, this, this thing. And, you know, I, I mean, I guess uh, now that I've known that even in the seventies, there was a lot of uh, like gang because Filipino gangs were prevalent in my area. So I, they were a lot of uh, uh, Filipino uh, and Filipino American things going on there but i don't know of it but i i'm sure it was more this fob bashing thing that it created was probably more physical maybe early on but i never experienced the physical part it was just more of a um you know a, a mental yeah conflict. you felt betrayed 
Yeah, there that's a good word. You know, yeah. I, I've never unpacked those feelings before. I, I, maybe that's what I maybe that's maybe that's how the first Loopy movie came into fruition was really of that that whole dynamic I, I experienced. By the way, when you're saying fop, for the people that doesn't know, it's fresh oh, yeah. off the boat. Mm. Uh, what do you think was the friction between the fob people and the people, the kids that grew up and was born in the in the states? Um, I, I think, I think I, I maybe because we maybe they saw advantages of being born in America that maybe they didn't have. Maybe I mean, you know, I'm just assuming, you know, uh, the 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 privileges that we had, I guess, of being American born. Um, and it's funny because I always thought it was, they had more advantages because they spoke the language. My parents never really taught me it. So there was an advantage there. I wish I was bilingual, you know, uh, I, I would have, I would have loved to be like blade, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I can live in the vampire world and also the day Walker. Like I, I can be the both of both worlds, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I kind of talked about in Olympia, the, the friction, you know, on, on our side, it was like, Oh, uh, you know, immigrating here and then, thinking that they can own, you know, your the, the feel entitled to things or or maybe the uh, uh I can't even like put it in words, but like um I, I think I, I think just the fact that maybe we assimilate better than them, you know? Mm. Um, um that's kind of what uh what I think. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure. Yeah yeah Going back to Lumpia, the first Lumpia, one thing I loved about it though too is you start making the first half of it in 1996 and no, then, then you still finish it in 2003. I was like, oh, yo. Man, you know your history. Uh, yeah. No, um, you know, when, when we started making movie, uh, Lumpia in 96, we, it was just really like another Kid Heroes. It was, I was, I was in the middle of my, my film setting film in USC. So when I came back for the summer, you know, we wanted to reunite again. We were older, and he said, "Hey, let's shoot another Kid Heroes movie for fun." And I just said, "Oh, let's up the ante a little bit. Let's like let's write it. Maybe write a script. Let's let uh, you know try <laughs> to get some professional audio, even though it's on a hockey stick. Let's <laughs> let's try." And, and and of course, they're thinking, "Oh, we're better actors now." But you know, I again, we thought that this was going to be private. We never knew it was going to be the way it came. In. And I'm sure if that if we knew that. I'm sure none of the none of them would really be down to do it. But I think that's what the beauty about the first film is that it was just us reuniting, uh, a way for us to kind of just relive old times and just enjoy each other's company again. And and shooting a movie was the best way we could think of is just really hanging out. It was like you know, and so um, um, and 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 everyone was down. I mean, everyone they they empowered me to. Uh, they knew that I was studying film, and I. And they were my muses. I mean, these were the folks that got me into filmmaking to begin with. So, uh, so starting that early and then finishing it, we never finished that summer of '96. And I, honestly, I didn't even have plans to even finish the movie at all after because I was so got caught up with uh, with my um, with my film school work at USC. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how deep in the story, but but you know, the really what made the movie continue is because I met uh, another friend. From my rival school, UCLA, AJ Colomai, that really got hold of this footage and saw, you know, this like, what is all this stuff? And how did he, he get the footage? 
Uh, so we met and then, you know, I, I told him, hey, I had some stuff here. If you want to collaborate on something and I knew it was getting into editing, I didn't have, honestly, I didn't have any of that equipment. He had that. So I just told him, if you want to edit something, just work on something. I have this. He saw it. And I guess, you know, he must have seen something that I didn't see because he developed what became known as the very first <laughs> trailer for that movie, which is so energetic. And, you know, when he made that trailer, it, uh, it forced me to finally see something in the footage I shot that, oh, shit. Oh, I have something here like this. This could be a cool movie. Um, so it was really that trailer because people saw that and they thought it was just shot for a trailer. People liked it. They shared it even before social media existed. The people were like sharing it during the 56K modem years, you know, they're, <laughs> they're sharing it. And, um, you know, so there's a little bit of and the film festivals even played that trailer. They they played just the trailer. They accepted it and they're playing it in the film festival circuit. Wow. So there was this. This I wanted to tell people like they thought it was just a trailer shot everything for a trip. I wanted to tell people no, there's actually like half of this stuff. There's already like so that what that's what really started the whole process. Like, you know what? Can I salvage this? Can I actually finish the movie? Hmm. Um, and this is already around ninety nine. This is already three years after I had initially shot that footage and didn't do anything with it. So can you imagine three years there? AJ takes a hold of this footage creates a trailer, creates this little community buzz. And that's when, um, and I got, at that time, I was so busy with the debut. I was touring already. So I, as I was touring around the country with the debut, which is its own little story, I was had my little Veo laptop and I was trying to piece together and edit the movie version and, and rewriting the third act of that script and wow. trying to figure out what am I trying to do? Do I have it? And so, you know, when you see the final product, you see the actors age and then they'll all be like five years older. They'll be chubbier. They'll be skinnier. Their haircuts are different. Um, but I think that was the thing, what the, the quirkiness and the, the thing what people enjoyed about it is that they, 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 they were seeing this. They were growing and evolutionizing with the uh, joining this, this movie. And, and then we finished it. I think that was the one thing I learned was that, uh, you know, there's nothing more um, gratifying than finishing something that's been on your plate for so long. That's amazing, man. It, you know what? When I saw that that idea, it reminded me of that movie Boy. You know the movie that? Oh like, yeah, uh, by uh, by uh, Rick, <laughs> by blanking out. Uh, yeah, that that he stopped shooting. He started his childhood, right? And then the the boy grew up. They. They they recorded an over a span of time, but see he had the budget. <laughs> this was already planned from the get go. For us, it was all unplanned. We were improvising the whole time. That's why I love it more because like you didn't even plan it. There's more challenging. I'm like, this guy looks like chubbier, but 15 pounds. What am I gonna do over here? Yeah, we. If you were a script supervisor, we didn't have a script supervisor. I'm sure we would have pulled people's hair. Like the continuity here is all over. Yeah, you, he has a scratch on the left. Now it's on the right. Yeah, but it's even more than that. It's like his hair is this, and it's like scared. And uh, Francis, who plays Moonman, always shares this anecdote when there's a part when he's running up the hill. He was like uh, like 17 years old, and then when he got up to the climbing to the mountain, he was like five years old and heavier. <laughs> <You know? So laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah. So, so you did a movie. It was amazing. A cult classic. What made you decide to create the sequel, Lumpia with a Vengeance? Um, we were celebrating the 10th year anniversary at the time. Mm. This was 2013. Now. 
Um, and we already, at that point, myself and AJ, we were already producing like two decades worth of like, or a decade and a half of music videos, you know, all over the spectrum, uh, film stuff, you know, of artists. So, but, you know, for me, I wanted, I was hungry to get into the feature film game. And really, mm. I mean, it's funny, I, I never really uh, owned Lumpia as my first feature, even though it is my first feature officially, but I wanted to make a real movie. And so at that time, crowdfunding and Kickstarter were, were the fad back in 2013. So we decided if we were going to finally get into feature filmmaking, why not uh, crowdfund a movie that had some sort of call following that already mm. had an audience. Yeah. So that was kind of, and, and we were celebrating, it was, it was a perfect way to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the original film. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I was using really that Kickstarter platform to see if there was literally still an appetite for Filipino American movies. I mean, at that time, I, I'm trying to think in 2013, this is, there, there was really, you know, I, I mean, not really in terms of Filipino American content out there. I think mm-hmm. there was Cavite that was out coming out at that time. Um, and the debut was already 10 years old by that point. So I just, needed proof that as a filmmaker is it worth uh my time and energy to still create uh, a filipino american film you know mm. and lo and behold the, the the kickstarter even though it was like on the last day uh you know we we were able to crowdfund that thing in development uh, that's and that's amazing. what started the journey this 10-year journey would end up being a 10 journey <laughs> uh 10-year journey for this this newer film that's amazing man creativity wise what stands out as the most significant difference between the two movies? Um, well, obviously the the, the production quality. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we're still working with a low budget, uh, but you know, um, I mean Danny Trejo and Mark Munoz already part of the film was already that kind of up the ante. I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that's what people got drawn to the story behind it because they did start out with just a bunch of Filipino kids in the neighborhood, <laughs> but our sandbox got bigger where now we're including former UFC fighters and Hollywood icons like Danny mm-hmm. Trejo and we're still having fun. So that's kind of the similar thing. The difference between the two, I mean, it's obvious aesthetic wise, I would argue that Lumpia with a Vengeance is the, the Lumpia movie I've always wanted to direct. I wish Lumpia 1 was like that, but I couldn't do that. So you do it resource-wise. So even with Lumpia the Vengeance, I, in my head, it's already a Marvel film, right? So what you see in Lumpia the Vengeance is still kind of low <laughs> five for me, you know, that, you know, that uh, I still haven't made my perfect Lumpia film yet, you know, uh, with all the bells and whistles of like a big budget thing. And so made, <laughs> the, so that's what, you know, I think what stands, the uh, separates the movie apart that uh, it, you see the growth not in the, in the expansion of our um, our playground, but also in the growth in our abilities as a filmmaker, you know, because I'm still learning and I'm still love being on set. I, and I, I feel still feel like a kid. That I'm still playing with these folks. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. You mentioned UFC fighter Mark Munoz and Danny Trejo. How was that experience? Um, It, I, it was... Um, it um, what's the word? It uh, it validated what we're doing. That 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 if you know, people always focus on the no's and the rejections in this industry, but there are people who say yes. And it's funny because I Mark Munoz and Danny Trey were different in our timeline. Now uh, came in a different times, and so Mark Munoz came at a time where we needed to push this to production. We were in development for so long, so he came at a time that. that 
raised anti like oh shoot we're not doing a homemade movie anymore you know we're trying to raise the the, the thing so mark Mooney did that for us and he was coming off retirement so that already kind of raised the profile of the movie people are like oh shoot you're not we're not fucking around. (laughs) And then, you know, when Mark Munoz, we did a test shoot and then we were kind of now in production and in the middle of production, Danny Trejo's team said yes. And that was another checkpoint in our timeline. Again, you don't know who's going to say yes. Mm. And when Danny Trejo's team said yes, we had to do everything in our power. These things are rare. I don't care how much or whatever. We had to find ways to make this work. Um, because I know Danny Trejo in our movie was giving going to raise this our, our movie to a different level that we mm-hmm. wanted to. Yeah. So that was kind of like brought us to another level, you know, mm-hmm. in our filmmaking. And and in a way, Danny Trejo in our movie made it a real movie. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> we have a star. But, but he made all my other actors nervous because, oh, shoot, we're not making a movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you can see it both ways. You're like, oh, I'm excited, Danny Trejo. Oh, well, no, I'm going to be acting <laughs> opposite Danny Trejo. So there's like two train of thoughts here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But as a director, how did you make them feel comfortable and feel that, hey, we're, we're all actors here? Yeah, you know, that's, that was a grand experiment with this film, right? Hmm. Can I get non-professional actors, especially my friends, you know, <laughs> to mingle and work with professional actors? That I mean, I, I'm I'm currently working on the behind-the-scenes special features for the, hmm. the DVD portion of it, so I'm I'm it's fresh in my mind, like looking at all the interviews and behind the scenes, because now I'm I'm in reflection mode now with the hmm. journey, and yeah, I can see some of the. Um, you know, kind of like what happened with my Burger King days, right? I could see some of that, uh, you know, conflict arise where some actors were like, they had to audition, they had to like learn their lines. And especially Edward, who plays Tyrone, just walks in, they didn't memorize this line. He thought <laughs> I was just going to feed him the lines like I did with Loopy One. Because no one knew the secret behind Loopy One was that they never had to, I just told them what to say. You know, I'll say, okay, hey, Aaron, you say, hello. Okay, boom. <laughs> the next one, how are you? And then go back to just say, oh, and say it this way. Oh, I'm okay. How, oh, no, no, no. Say it again. I'm okay. How are you doing? You know, like that's how Loopy One was all stop and go. It was never mm. shooting the whole scene in a row. That was the secret behind Loopy, the magic of editing mm-hmm. and making them really look great. So can you imagine walking into Loopy with a vengeance, unprepared, thinking I'm going to feed their lines, and they're doing whole monologues in front of professional actors in the heat? You know, <laughs> so we had we had folks, I won't name names, professional actors on set, who are like, who's going to do the scene right now? Oh, Edward is. Oh, no. How many takes is this going to take? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's all in jest and all in fun, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but that was their whole grand experience. You never know it was going to work. And luckily, it did. Because I think the one thing I, as a director, I always had to make sure was that, number one, people were having fun. I mm. always wanted to make sure people had, there's always this family uh, I think that's the one thing that we, if I'm proud of on all of my sets, not just Lupita Vengeance, is that we always bring this, uh, you know, Bayanihan um, uh, kind of spirit into the mm. set. You know, like, 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 like everyone's, everyone is working together to make uplift everyone's performance. So everyone is, is contributing. It doesn't matter if you're like low on the call sheet or up n- number one. Ever, in order for this to work, everyone has to contribute, right? And, so, and it's my job to make sure that the platform that I'm setting up is successful. Like I, I and you know, now looking at our journey, I'm just happy that as, after all said and done, that the movie in its way, you know, won an award, it's going through Comic Con, it's it's now sparked comic books. 
I, I, and that's all I can do as a director is like, they trusted me uh, by contributing. I got to make sure that, that this final product reflects their hard work and it's something that they're happy that their name their name is on on it you know yeah that's excellent man going back to like making everyone feel comfortable like like with me i i coach my kids basketball mm -hmm. and one thing i always say is we're like a lego box set there's some small pieces there's big pieces but it doesn't matter the size what matters is we're all together because if we don't that small piece or that big piece we will never be complete oh yeah and, and a lot of people have to kind of like some, and with egos, right? Like sometimes mm. you just have to know what the bigger role is. Because I, I always use sports metaphors as a, as a good thing, right? It doesn't matter. Usually teams with big superstars, all superstars, they don't do as well as the teams with like low profile folks. But they, and they win the championship, right? They're, they're, they're people who, because they gel so well and their payroll is probably cheaper than the superstar, the, the, the teams that don't, can't even like make the playoffs, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so, you know, for me, I have to see myself as the coach, you know, like how do I make everyone perform to their best potential? It's not about having the best people on my team. It's not having the best actors in my team. It's really working with the folks who are, down for you who are on the same page for you who are like-minded uh, but want to succeed and then how can i make everyone you know um you know just maximize the potential mm -hmm, definitely with the first lumpia movie you were more of i feel like focusing more like bullying and internal prejudice but for the second movie it's more different do you, did you have the same goal or were they both different yeah, I mean, there was a. I mean, the, the development of the script took so long. I mean, I, I, I there is a. I, I did it. I wanted to advance on the themes, right? So I kind of lean on on, on the way on crab mentality and some of the classism issues. Mm. You know, um, uh, you know, Tyrone is you know was kind of like the villain that you hated in part one, and now there's a little bit of sympathy for his character. You know, it's like. Um, uh, and, and he's a uh, you know not as successful as everyone. You know they're all middle class families, and 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 yet there's a daughter who's very successful with her Kickstarter funder, like, like that that gets that it's weird. Like there's this whole weird about the whole movie is about buy-in, right? It's almost meta for the whole journey of the film, right? Because mm -hmm. the movie was kick funded. So like, it, like the, the I I really wanted to kind of hone in the fact that in order for people to to be more successful, they had to work together as a team. There's got to be buy-in. So so Kuya. And, and and George and their little ragtag team of this crime fighting can only be successful once they start recruiting a high school student and they're better together, you know. Uh Gemini can't 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 uh complete her her reign of like terror unless she gets everyone to buy in with her crab powder happy lupia. So it's it's weird. Like I, I it, 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 there, there's uh, the, the 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 old themes of bullying is still applies because everyone still mm. has this, but it's I was trying to kind of um, ex expand on this whole notion of, of, of a different form of crab mentality of people mm -hmm. trying to trying to prevent people from from being successful. Yeah, I love it. I know you work with the Black Eyed Peas, dude. I didn't even know you work with them, man. I'm like, this guy oh. worked with them. That's amazing. <laughs> if you remember who the Black Eyed Peas are, oh, who doesn't, man? Bro, that's like my two. That was like the song, man. I remember one time I was drinking uh, above ground pool, 
and I was dancing, holding my wine, and I one of their songs. What was it? I got a feeling. I slipped, oh. bro. I hit my ribs, man. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, that, 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 yeah, you can't listen to a black eyed peas, uh, black eyed peas song and not dance. You know, no, like, it, the body, the body just starts moving. I mean, say what you want, you know, about the songs and everything, but that's what the black eyed peas were. All, they they just get you to groove and just enjoy, and your body just kind of. My son does that too. Like you know, he'll, he'll hear the music. He doesn't know it's Black Eyed Peas, but he'll start like just body oh, just starts it. moving. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. How was that experience working with the Black Eyed Peas, creating those amazing songs that represent Filipinos? I mean, I had a, a, a um, I had the the the, the fortunate uh, luxury to work with them in two phases, right? Because when I did the Apple song, Fergie has just joined, so on the Elephant album. So when I did the Apple song, it was very, you know, they were they were they were you know they uh what's the word it, it's humble beginnings like mm. like it, it was we were shooting a retirement home so like, what kind of music videos they were shooting in a retirement home <laughs> you know it's it's not your most glamorous set you know to be a part of but they enjoyed like it, it felt like a family again like they 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 really enjoyed making that so i I experienced the Black Eyed Peas then, and at some point after the Apple song, they exploded. They became worldwide. They got "Let's Get It Started." They got the NBA propelled them to like global phenomenons, you know. And and so when I did Bebot uh, a few years later, oh my, it was completely different. Like everyone had their own team, and it was it, it was oh, wow. uh, so directing. And 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 now everyone the Apple song made. I like to take credit that now everyone knew. That the Filipino member in the Black IPs was Apple Yap, not Taboo. It's actually the black you know? guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, and and literally Apple overnight became like the Bob Marley of the Philippines. You know, mm. so you know, I in a way that, that music video kind of solidified that I was doing a commercial for them. So when they're doing Bebo, it, it you know I was glad they invited me back on to do that video. But man, it was a. Uh, Anytime someone comes up to me or talks about Bebo, I just get this major headache because I just think about all the stressful time I had making two versions of that music video. You know, and I, I, I don't want to. There's so much happening, and I learned a lot about the label, the politics, the one thing. But what I'm most proud of is that I, we, we, you know, we escaped. I escaped that with two videos that people still talk about. Hundred you know? percent, man. So dealing with those high-profile stars, what was your main strategy in communicating with them? Um, I think they realized that the, especially the scripts, because I wasn't just doing a commercial for them. Like I, I always the way I was approaching it was like if this was the only plat- mainstream platform I can, I can talk about Filipino Americans in the United States or like the history. Uh, what can I talk about? You know, so. So, like you know, with Apple Song, it, it gave me an opportunity to talk about the the, the World War II veteranos, right? That uh, that were looking for the benefits. So I, and that the Apple Song is still to this day one of my most personal projects because my dad's brother, my uncle, was a star of that video. Uh, my dad had passed earlier, and this whole concept was inspired by that. So I, they, my voice again even getting that video was because I was so inspired by the song and what I was going through. And I wrote that treatment. I didn't go through the normal channel. I didn't have representation. I didn't, I just wrote it and knew someone who knew the peas. And some three months later, it somehow that script went up the ranks and I got a call from the manager and that's how that first video came up. And so when it came with the bed, but I think they appreciated the fact that I was coming from an authentic 
place where I, I wanted to tell a story. And so when Bevel came out, they just wanted a fun dancing video, just throw men and women in front of the screen and dancing with them. But no, like, no, that's not what I want. Let me see if I could talk about Stockton and the immigration of, of how Filipinos are, because that's what they did. They wanted to dance too. They they were like us, you know, like after a full week of work, they just wanted to put on their best suit and go clubbing. And so that's what they did. You know, after the plantation, they went to the dime dance halls and everything. Like I was trying to make a correlation. I wanted to. And so my goal was if anyone watched the Apple song or Bellboy and saw like, is this real? Did this take place? And they did the research or Google it. Then I felt that was my job. Like I, it was a job well done that someone saw that and wanted to know more, even though it's just a commercial <laughs> to sell records. That's amazing. But for me as a filmmaker, it was an opportunity, a rare opportunity to tell a, a little piece uh, of our history. Props, man, props. Do you embrace being seen as the representation of Filipinos or sometimes do you just wish you could just be yourself? I, I sometimes wish I could just be myself. I, I don't... You know, it, it's, I, 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 when I, I, you know, I'm a big nerd, right? I, I nerd out. So me talking about and learning about Filipino American history, uh, about just, that's me as an ongoing thing, right? And I, 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 um, and because I'm a filmmaker, that's my platform of telling these stories. So anything that's thrown my way, whether it's a commercial, a music video, a comic book, you know, I'm gonna try to tell my story but filter it in a way that i can tell the masses about what you know the so it's it's weird like i'm a storyteller first um and then representing representing it's just natural for me because i'm filipino american so you write what you know mm. now do i like being a role model yeah i'm very reluctant to be that because i don't i'm not the i i, I just don't see myself as the the best representative for that i don't I, I but I don't see it through other people's eyes, and I'm I but I I'm learning to own it, you know. If I am that person to someone who comes in and sees my work and says, "Oh man, you're a pioneer in this work," it's it's weird. Uh, yeah, it makes me feel old, but you know, <laughs> but I feel I'm not done yet. I think that's what's it's it's weird for anyone to call me a pioneer or a representative of like Filipino American pop culture because I've been playing in this playground for so long, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I'm not done yet. I, I think there's so much more that I have not. Uh, and, but for me, I'm just trying to find ways. How do I fund these things? That, that, so that's what keeps me going. Like I, um, I leave it to folks to tell me if I'm that representative. I don't know. I'm going to keep going no matter how anyone uh, labels me. Oh, 100%, man. You are so creative. Like, that's the beauty about being creative. It never stops. You can be 99 and you'll still be creating. <laughs> you know? True. But, but you are a pioneer without, you know, you started all these things, opening up and being so gracious to cre to creatives. Like, like you coming on the podcast is such a big thing for me, you know, like you are giving us voices and you're a great representation. I appreciate that. You know? I'm learning to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you'd struggle with compliments. Um... I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why. It's like, my wife always tells me, just say, thank you. <laughs> say, like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I, I, I'm just, um, I grew up being bullied a lot. You mm. know, I, 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 it was hard for me to build my confidence and self-esteem growing up. So mm. maybe that's where it comes from. 
you know, mm-hmm. and and maybe that's why a lot of my stories always deal with the underdog and all that stuff because um, I, I love the underdog story. I was that underdog. I I, I always, um, you know, and it, it comes from my dad left me once in high school, so there's a lot of the, these these things where I, you know, I I don't feel worthy enough sometimes, you know. Mm. So, so for someone to give me that compliment, it's hard to accept it. Is that real? Is that authentic? Are you just saying that? I think that's what rolls in my head all the time, you know. You kind of get your autograph. Like, oh, I, I'm learning to own it. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's almost like it's hard to believe. I think even, even at my age, it's still, and all the stuff that I've worked on, it's still hard for me to to really receive it you know because mm. i just overthink it so much but i think that's just part of me you know growing up i i just uh, it's funny because I, I just wanted the people to know it's who i want or just feel worthy of it. and so now that i'm getting these compliments it's just i don't know <laughs> i don't know where it comes from I, I, dude i completely understand like we started the podcast with my me winning the award and like not saying that like yeah hey, i don't know i think they ran out of people to give it to you know <laughs> i, I understand you just justifying it you know <laughs> <laughs> but yes i i'm also working on it about saying thank you awesome whatever i do I, that's one thing i learned about in therapy is self-confidence and self-esteem they're both different hmm. self-confidence is you believe that you can do it. You believe that's, I that's can. That's self-confidence. That's self-confidence. That's self-confidence. Okay. You can make a film. Of okay. course I can make a film. No mm-hmm. problem. Oh, Danny mm-hmm. Trejo, yeah, of course I can make a film <laughs> with him. But self-esteem is, is my film good enough? Mm. You know, it's funny. I'm a Gemini, so I can say that I can, I go both ways. Like I can, I, I can one, the, the, there's a part of me that will, especially when I'm on set, I'm directing because I have to do it. Like the the self confidence comes out, you know. Like I can own this, and then the self esteem part. Uh, it's always when the movie's done or something. Like, do I? Do this? <laughs> I, I I'll get into these phases. Like even I, I do that now. Like I, it's funny. I I I'm always looking for comments. Like I want I want my first troll. Like I I want trolls. <laughs> like I I appreciate trolls more than I. I appreciate those five stars. You know, I, and I got my first two star, like on Amazon. I saw that star, like, who get this? And I want to know more. Like, what was it that you didn't like it? Why did you give me mm. a one star? It was one star, you know, like, so I, I appreciate more of, cause I, I think that's more authentic and more honest than anything. If people, you know, um, give me a low rating, um, because I want to know, I want to improve. I want to, I want to, my goal is to, you know, like I, I don't know. I want to please the masses, I guess. Maybe that's what I'm, I'm getting at, you know? <laughs> I get it, man. You just, uh, you, yeah, I mean, like, you, it makes you feel that you are, you did good when somebody said something negative because it propels you to be better. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm unpacking this. <laughs> I'm unpacking this. Like, it's, it's um, yeah, you know. That, that could be the secret to try to get the next movie off the ground. It's just really unpacking all this. A hundred percent. You just finished the Lumpia with the Vengeance. Are you planning to make a new movie? But is it going to be in that line again? Or are you planning to have like, I don't know, maybe a drama or something, a different genre? Um, You know, so if I had a choice, I would, uh, there's a movie I've been developing that's completely not a comedy. It's a drama. It's a biopic. Um, I don't know if that is ready to be in front of the camera because 
I, I don't know. I mean, you know, that, that this is one thing about movies and development. Um, I didn't even want Lumpia with a Vengeance to be my movie, right? It just it just so happened that that was the movie that got kickstarted. Um, and 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 I so you look back at my body work with music videos that that's the kind of portfolio of work I want. Um, you know, with my feature film, if I had a slate of films, like it's 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 I don't want to be defined by a genre. I want to be challenged by different kind of stories. You know, so the Apple song again, very dramatic, very personal. You know, Bebo, uh, you know, very fun and like, but still very historical. The other version is historical. And then I have other uh, videos that are very independent. There's one with Bamboo, uh, you know, Crooks and Rooks and um, and, and Old Man Raps that both reflect a, a different side of Filipino American and that and that lifestyle. Like, you know, I so I love for me, it's all about the story and how what's the best way to tell that story. And uh, um, but I would love to go through different genres, you know, I mean. I think, uh, you know, any project that comes on on that, that comes that 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 comes on my plate, and it's scary, and it's like, oh, this is a big challenge. Those are the projects I want to do. You know, like it's, I don't want to do easy ones. Lumpia three, I don't want to say it's an easy one, but I definitely want to. I announced that at Comic Con that I want to do Lumpia three. We haven't figured out yet how to do that, but if I had my choice, that would not be my next film. You know. Um, you know, and I, I don't, it's, I'm in this weird, at this point, this weird, uh, crossroads right now because the, the, the movie's journey is just completing and the movie is now finally out there in the masses and it's slowly going to trickle. And, and the response to this movie will probably determine what I do next or what I'm able to do next. Uh, and whether I not even continue the comic book, uh, line, you know? It's it's a weird, uh, you know, and, and I won't know that until I see my first quarterly report with these sales. Like, is, is, am I a filmmaker that makes movies that is able to get a return for, you know, my investors? Or, you know, do I have to kind of lay low and try to make something smaller? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, the business part of it, I'm, I'm learning. But again, it's a fun time right now for me because... For the first time in my life, I'm a filmmaker with mass distribution. You know, I've never been on this, never been here before, you know. So I am, I'm, you know, things may change in January, you know. I'm optimistic more than I am negative now. Oh, know? 100%, man. Why is it so important for you to educate people about Filipino history? Um, I... So I look at through the, the lenses of my son, my seven-year-old son, right? Mm. And I, you know, reading history especially and not me not even knowing or even wanting to learn how that part of the immigration thing in Philippines, like it's funny, like I, I never even asked my family like the full details of my dad's immigration story uh, until like, I mean, even with this podcast, I had to like know all the facts. Like, <laughs> like it's it's funny. Like, like so. I I think that it's it it um like I didn't even learn about any of the stuff until I was in college, learning about um just everything from Stockton, the significance of it, and then me even owning my narrative growing up in Jay City. Like, I think once I realized that my experience w- was unique, that became material for me to make movies. That I think people would be um interested it's funny when, when the Olympia adventures first came out someone in the east coast mentioned one of their reviews or articles saying like this movie is so weird like there, there's a 
there's a city out there what a fantasy film like there's a film out there where the mayor is filipino american and like the thing is like 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 they thought that the whole thing was all sci-fi and like a fantasy like they could not fathom that this city existed you know um so I, I think for me, it's like I just have to own like that narr- that part of my my upbringing, and and putting that story that it it is, and 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 you know finding fun ways to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Were you always proud to be Filipino? Uh yes, I I always was proud Filipino. <laughs> um, I don't think there's ever a point where I was not. Oh well, well, I take that back. That when I talk about the Burger King incident, that was probably the one time where I was not proud like or maybe felt betrayed like wait am i considered filipino um you know that became my identity phase um and that's why joining the debut interning for that film really kind of well kind of made me kind of kind of be proud of can you imagine when i went to usc film school the movies i wanted to make when i look at my short films was like my first short film was about an alien, a bootleg filmmaker who was trying to uncover alien aliens or something. You know what I mean? Like it was so <laughs> mainstream, right? Mm. And and then then it took me a while to find my voice, and it's not because of the the film called the debut where I interned on, and 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 that's made me kind of like okay, I gotta, I have to own my story as a Filipino American, you know, like and and maybe because I didn't speak the language or you know didn't learn that was my upbringing that that i that doesn't make me any less filipino you know that i had to kind of come to terms to that you know uh growing up that there's there's a still sense of me having that pride but that pride is never i don't think it's ever gone away you know i i, I think i'm still learning more and that's what i love about it it's like it's not like I'm, i expect to be an expert at everything <laughs> filipino filipino american but i love learning about it you know yeah for sure uh, but going touching base on you about are you filipino enough me growing up in the philippines there's always has this idea that oh he's not filipino because he's oh, yeah. half or he's he wasn't oh, born yeah. i'm like and i always remember I saw like, that tiktok it's always that it always happens right? that, that, that 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 this that 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 whole theme always is prevalent, right? Oh and, yeah, like I was having a conversation with uh, some family members about Jalen Green, who plays for the Houston Rockets. Which Houston is Rockets, yeah. He's half Filipino, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. He's Filipino, and they're like, he's not Filipino. He's American. I'm like, dude, <laughs> he is Filipino. He's half Filipino. What else do you want? I'm like, well, you know, he's half. Plus, he was born here. I mean, I get what you're saying, but he's Filipino. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and, and, and and you know, I mean, that's that's the thing. People have different, um, uh, you know. I, I think as long as as how you are comfortable with and how you define it, I, I I don't, I don't, I don't really try to care about how other people define it. I mm. I know for me that it, it has not. Like I'm still proud of it, and and I know what my, um, uh, uh what my Filip- how my level Filipino ness is. You know. Mm. I'm a work in progress. You know? <laughs> we all are, dude. We yeah. all are. None of us is perfect. You show me who's the perfect one. You know, no one, man. <laughs> Trust me, I grew up there. Now I've been here. I came back to visit. I'm like, I don't think I'm Filipino. What's happening with me, man? Yeah, yeah was, you, you take the ancestry, ancestry test. I want to see, is it say 100% Filipino on that? No, it's never going to say that. Never, you know? never, never. <laughs> 
making films, you know, the Crazy Rich Asians and Joker is movie. Do you think this is going to continue? Do you think it's going to we're going to have finally see like like a film Filipino filmmaker like all cast Filipino? Oh, it's about like uh, all like a all superstar like a Philam or yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, I I think so. I mean, I, I every time I uh, approach a project, I, I, even that's what I did with the Apple song <laughs> that early on in Double was I was trying to get as many celebrities uh, like, who was out there who had influence to kind of you know come and celebrate. So that's always been like I think big first for anything, and then whoever says no says no. And so my goal is that any project I have like. Even with Lumpia 3, I would love, I mean, that's my dream. I'm putting it out there. I want Joe Corey to be in my Lumpia 3, you know? He has like, to, man. Yeah, I know. It's like, you can't ignore me anymore, Joe Corey. I know you, <laughs> I know you with Joey Gila and, you know, the, so I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a degree there, you know? So I, you know, I, no, that's, 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 that's the, that's the dream, right? The, to have, um, Joe Corey is doing amazing things, like putting us on, 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 on that Hollywood map, you know, nothing, Nothing would make me prouder to somehow bridge the gap even more between Hollywood independent, between Filipino and Filipino American, Filipino Canadian. And you know, I got it's like it, it's um Philippines are very global. And I I'm not I, I I think that's again, I come from a very fandom nerdiness, right? Like that for me, even if I didn't direct it, that project would be so cool if there was like that that movie or that thing, whether it's a TV series or a comic book or a movie, you know, mm. like it's, uh, and that, that's, that's funny. You know, for me, I have such a big nerd with comic books, with pop culture, but with Filipino pop culture, I don't know. It's like nothing would be, would nerd me out more than having that all-star, <laughs> all-star. A hundred percent, man. I tried to do that. I tried to do that with Bubba, you know? Yeah, you did, man. You did a great job. The comic book, what made you decide to, delve into that i mean that was um crowdfunded again by our supporters i didn't think we could do that um but you know during covid that was um i didn't even realize like my producer was a comic book artist or you know drew art or, or was working in the comic book industry beforehand i didn't know even though my assistant stunt coordinator was an artist so i think what makes me proud about that first comic book that we did the first issue that was all done in house, you know, and, and then again, now this sandbox now was including like legendary icons like Will Spartaccio, you know, who did my movie poster, you know, and stuff. And, and, and then Bobby Rubio, who was in Pixar at the time, it did float. So like, so now it was weird. The comic book, because of our crowdfunders, our backers now gave us a new world to kind of, um, Community builds, what I call it, community build now. But now instead of uh, actors, it was artists and writers. And I got to do something I've always wanted to do. I'm a big comic book collector, but never thought I could ever write my own comic book. And now here I am, nine issues deep now <laughs> in the deep fried universe. It's it's crazy. <laughs> and you, how are you feeling with that? Like, Do you feel comfortable now that you're a, a writer, a comic book writer? Um... I mean, you know, I, 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 again, with the comic books, it's just given me another platform to really um, develop my skills as a, as a storyteller. Um, and it's quicker. It doesn't take 10 years. It takes <laughs> a month or two to get the next issue out. Um, but like like anything I create, I always try to make sure that that, that, that the issue comes out. It's very high quality. Um, you know, make sure people appreciate that. I, 
you know, um, yeah, no, it, uh, uh, look, the with San Diego Comic Con noticed us and gave us that platform. I would never known in a, like that I would be on the other side of the mm. uh, of the table, you know, not just having our booth and then selling our own comic books, but to be in a panel. I mean, this past summer we had a four thousand. We were at Ballroom Twenty. It was just like the second biggest uh, venue at San Diego wow. Comic Con. Congratulations, sir! You know, and, and that was like the. I mean, look. It means the next evolution is like next year we got to do Hall H now, which is the big room in Comic Con. So I, you know, I, I it, this this comic book has been it's, the Lumpia thing has been the thing that just keeps on giving. You know, it, it it's just um, I mean, I'm doing this as I'm preparing for the we we're doing two conventions back to back with uh, San Francisco Fan Expo and Los Angeles Comic Con, and, and we're excited about it. It just any opportunity we have to meet our, uh, our our supporters and our fans, it's like we get excited about that. I mean, because I know at some point I'm going to be stuck in the dungeon writing and editing and just being myself and in my thoughts and in my head, you know? So nothing like feels like great about connecting with folks, you know? Mm-hmm. Speaking of connecting with folks, what do you think make Lumpia connect to people? Um... I mean, I, I think that's the thing that you discover. Lumpia is a, it's a gateway, right? Uh, if you're non-Filipino, the food is always a gateway to anyone's culture, community, right? So already Lumpia, it's like usually that's our almost like our, uh, our iconic food. <laughs> so, you know, even like I can't even make a comic book unless there's Lumpia in a title now because that's what gets people's attraction, <laughs> attracted to the thing. <laughs> what, Lumpia? A comic book? <laughs> I, I don't I don't even know how much of the people actually even read the stuff I write, right? They just like that there's a comic book called Lumpia and there's a movie called Lumpia, you know? So so that's all. And so it's my job once you get that first someone's attention, all right, well, can I hold their attention long enough to, to say, give them a compelling story, even though I can't feed them, right? So it's like, can I give them just as a satisfactory story uh, that gets them you know, sucked in to the DFU, as I call it, the Defied Universe. <laughs> I love it. I love it. By the way, like just going back about Jokoi, he <laughs> has to make the movie because he has a joke about Lumpia. Um, have I heard that joke? I gotta, I, I, I've seen Jokoi stuff. I don't know if I've ever he heard has, He has Jokoi. something like, it's not Shanghai Roll. It's way better than Shanghai Roll. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, so, I, look, I, I, look, um, I told this to several people already. Like, if Joko is ever interested in the movie, there's a very juicy part. Like, I, <laughs> I already know what he's playing. I already know scenes. He would kill it, <laughs> and it would be the same line of comedy. So, look, anyone is hearing this right now, you know, uh, tag Joko now and just say, "Hey, Joko, <laughs> you need to be in at Lumpia movie." Uh, the sequel on the third yeah, part. Yeah, I love it. Harass, let's I, I'll harass start a, Yeah, I'll start a campaign. If we do another Kickstarter campaign, it's gonna be just saying. Have Joe Coy back that Lumpia or something, you know? <laughs> back that Lumpia with Joe Coy. It's like it's all revolved around him. It's like I don't know if that's legal to like, force someone to be part we'll of We'll try project. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I think we're there. But before we close out, do you have any advice for future Filipino filmmakers? Stay authentic. I think once you find your voice, uh, and it takes a while for people to find their voice. Um, you know, stay authentic. Write what you know best, um, but most importantly, surround yourself with with like minded folks that can empower you to do what you want to do. Right, so find a team. You know, you can't do it by yourself. And I think you know everything I've 
done uh, was because of, uh, as a result of collaboration, you know, so um, that's really the simple thing, right? I think, um, you know, uh, uh, being a filmmaker is not, it's not about being a dictator. It's about being a collaborator. Amazing, man. Hey, Patricio, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really oh, do appreciate it. This was fun. <laughs> oh, sure, man. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. Good night. Again, Patricio, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Del Yosa from Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.